As the world fought against the coronavirus in 2020, another deadly and silent pandemic emerged that affected millions of people around the world. Mental illness. While many of us have adapted to the new normal that includes social distancing and at times social isolation, new guidelines and updated measures have intensified those struggling with mental health. The rapidly changing pandemic conditions have led to 89% of college students experiencing stress or anxiety and 60% of students said they've experienced depression since the pandemic started. So what is the responsibility of the church in this silent pandemic of mental health that sits each week in our congregations across the world? How do we answer the tough questions that many Christians have about mental health? In the teaching series, A Journey from Darkness into God's Light, The Reality of Mental Health, Pastor Bank addresses the very tough questions and lets us know that you are not alone, it's not your fault, God is with you, and God's word speaks through you. If you or anyone are suffering with mental illness, contact walkfanusa.org because it's time to expose this silent pandemic. Man, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And welcome this morning to World Architecture for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And we are so glad you're here with us. And for those of you that are signing on, joining on online, we welcome you. We thank God for you. And we pray that something that God will say today will touch you, minister to you, and get you on your way in Jesus' name. However, you need to know that church is now open. And you're welcome to come in person so we can get a hug, feel out for you, and amen. Join the great fellowship. Hallelujah. Praise God. As usual, our vision here at World Water Richard for Our Nation is building strong families and serving global communities. So we want to welcome you again this morning. Thank God for you. Amen. And you know, if you just guys indulge me for a minute, I want to welcome in particular Ada Umuna. <laughs> She's blinking like a Christmas tree right here to my right. Amen. Glory to God. It's good to see you, Ada, and all her family and friends. I see you, Joma. I see my chief here. Praise God. It's good to see you, chief. Amen. It's just good to see all of you guys in the house. Thank you so much for coming. I want you guys to know that Ada Umuna is an exemplary ambassador of the faith. Amen. What you see outdoors or outside is what you see in-house and inside. Amen. I thank God for you, Ada, and I pray that the waymaker will make a way for you. Amen that the promise keeper will keep all the promises he's made towards you, and that the miracle worker will walk a miracle in your life, even today, in Jesus' name. Ha! Ah, my own personal professor is here in the house this morning. Professor, or not Dick man, in person. It's good to see you, man. Praise God. Unfortunately, I cannot recognize you sitting next to you. Is that, is that, is that grace or what? It's not grace. Okay, I just want to make sure. Amen. I don't want to give another wife in church. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good to see every one of you. Thank God for you. We bless God. We are really excited to have you here. And we are going to continue in our message this morning that we started several weeks ago, 
journeying out of darkness into God's light, which basically is a message addressing the pandemic of mental health issues that we are faced with. Amen. And so, Father God, we want to thank you for your, your presence this morning. We bless your name for your incredible Holy Spirit that is with us. Thank you that you guide us, you lead us as we break open the seal of your word. And we thank you that our ears are open and our hearts ready to receive the engrafted word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, again, you're all welcome. So give me Psalms one, Psalm 69, Psalm 69, verses 1 to 3 in the Passions Translation. And this morning, this instrument this morning is dealing with teen depression. That's what we're talking about this morning. Dealing with teen depression. Now, when I use that word teen, it does not mean just tiny little bitty people only. It means teens, and of course, here at WorkFine, at Water Richard for All Nations, most of our teens are at 19. They're already in sophomore or junior year in colleges. Amen? Just so everybody understands what I'm talking about. All right. Psalm 69 verse 1. TPT, please, I said. TPT. Thank you. God, my God, come and save me. These floods of trouble have risen higher and higher. The water is up to my neck. I am sinking into the mud with no place to stand, and I'm about to drown in this storm. Verse 2. Verse 2. Is that the next one? I know I read verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. There's no verse 2? Oh, they're on together. Okay. I just need to know. Somebody needs to tell me something, okay? I'm weary, exhausted with weeping. My throat is dry. My voice is gone. My eyes are swollen with sorrow, and I'm waiting for you, God, to come through for me. Now, in case you're wondering who is speaking in this particular passage, that is David, the beloved king of Israel, the one that we first saw in 1 Samuel chapter 16, between the ages of 10 through 15, as he was ordained by Samuel to become king of Israel. The same David who came to the scene as a young tender man, a boy rather, and who at the age of between 15 and 19 fought Goliath, and who ultimately by age 30 became the king of all Israel. Now, this David, from what we just read, in verses 1, 2, and 3 of Psalm 69, is crying for help. In this verse 3, it says, I'm weary, exhausted with weeping. My throat is dry. Do you understand what David is saying here? He said, my voice is gone. My eyes are swollen with sorrow. Have you ever been in a situation in a place where your throat is dry? Maybe you go into your little boy or little girl's soccer game and you are cheering, 
yelling, hey, Susan, Susan, get, get it, go, get it, go. Oh, if you are like me, a few years back, when my beloved Atlanta Falcons had the back of the New England Patriots to the wall, 28-3 in the third quarter. And if you are in my camp, we were yelling, shouting, jubilating, hallelujah, hey, glory to God, the Super Bowl is coming to Atlanta. Totally forgetting that there's 15 more minutes to play. And those last 15 minutes, God me like David, my eyes were swollen with tears. Now, the only thing here, David is not talking about soccer game. Neither is he talking about yelling and shouting until his throat became dry from his favorite team losing a game. He's talking about a personal painful experience of struggles that he had to deal with. Time will not permit me to take into David's life to show you the various incidents in his life that perhaps set him up for this cry that he was making to God. But suffice it to say that David, like many of our young people, and even some of us adults, David, like many of us, had periods of his life when he struggled. He said in one point in this verse, I believe verse 2, he said, he's sinking and it seems as if there's no foothold, nothing to hold him. Do you understand what that feeling is? That's why we came up with the expression, being in the bottomless pit. It's like a pit that has no end to it. That's where David was. The good news is, in and through all of this experience, David never left God, nor God ever left him. So no matter where your journey is, no matter where you are in this matter, in this situation, as we're talking this morning, about this issue of mental health. You need to understand that God is not forsaking you, you are not alone, and God is for you. Now, most of our children, both teens and younger adults, will be returning to school in the next couple of weeks. After almost two years of digital learning, it's normal to feel sad or irritable every now and then. But if these feelings persist or become so intense that you feel overwhelmingly hopeless and helpless, you may be suffering from depression and you need to seek help. Teen depression is much more than feeling temporarily sad or down in the dumps. It's a serious and debilitating mood disorder that can change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you function in your daily life, causing problems at home, at school, and in your social life. The recent news from the Tokyo Olympic Games is that celebrated gymnast Simon Biles was 
pulling out of the games in order to nurture her mental health. She described the phenomenon as twisters. Twisters. Basically, she was saying these twisters cause a disconnection between her mind and her body. Think about that. But I'm glad she could call. I'm glad she, she decided to pull back and nurture her mental health and our prayers are with her and her entire family. This, however, is a classic reminder that mental health is not a respecter of fame, fortune, or status. It's not. My friend, Dr. Victor Oladokun, a senior advisor to the president of the African Development Bank, he said, and I quote, one of, if not the worst pandemic the world is dealing with today is not COVID-19, as some will believe, but mental illness, end of quote. The rapidly changing and chaotic pandemic conditions have led to 89% of college students experiencing stress or anxiety. Think about that. The, the direction we had last week is different from what we have this week. From state to state, city to city, it's changing. It's changing. ActiveMinds.org revealed that 60.7% of students said they've experienced depression since the pandemic started. Think about them, 61% almost, 61%. Six out of every 10 students. The increased academic pressures, because for you parents, whether it's pandemic or not, you still want your kids to make A, right? You don't care. We push and push and push and pressure and pressure and pressure. They have to keep their scholarship, maintain status quo. They must make A plus all the time, regardless of what's going on. So some of us parents are slave drivers. Amen. I didn't hear too much amen, but. <laughs> so the increased academic pressures, social challenges, and hormonal changes of the teenage years result in one in five suffering with depression of some sort. Now, what must you know? What, what do I need for you to know this morning? Number one. You are not alone. Please give me Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24 in the NKJV. Psalm 37, 23, 24. You are not alone. That's the first thing I want you to know. You are not alone. Psalm 37, verse 23. Okay. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. A lot of times we stop right there. But look at the next verse, verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And he delights in his way. But that's not all. Verse 24 says, though he falls, though I struggle, though I'm in trouble, 
you shall not be utterly cast out or down. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. So how can he uphold me if he's not near me? You are not alone. There is nothing you and I are going through that we are going through by ourselves. Jesus made a commitment. I will never forsake you nor leave you. And there is nothing you and I can do to change that. I just gave you David's story. After all that he went through, after all that we know of David in the scriptures, even though he was calling and yelling, God, save me, save me, save me, save me. We have an assurance David never left God and God never left him. How do I know that? Because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, God said to Samuel, he said, I have found me a son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That was at the beginning of his ministry. And then at the end of the ministry, in Acts 13, 22, God testified of David again that David, the son of Jesse, will do all of God's heart according to the will of God. Amen? So God will not leave you. That's number one. Number two. Number two. Mental illness, hear me loud and cloud, is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of weakness. The National Mental Health Association say that 43% of Americans believe erroneously, I must say, that mental illness is a weakness. Now, if 43% of Americans think so, how about Africans? Africans. Ridiculous. But you need to understand number one, you are not alone. Number two, it's not a weakness. And I'm saying it's not a weakness because if you or I have a headache or flu, we don't call it a weakness, we just say we are sick. <laughs> so mental illness is not a sign of weakness any more than a headache or any other weakness or illness is a sign of weakness. End of story. There's a lot more to this, and I'm going to unpack that next week. I can't get into all of that now. The reason people think and believe is a weakness. <clears throat> Let me just give you a little giveaway. This is the reason for which most of the suicides, most of those that die by suicide are men. Now, we know from statistics that more women attempt suicide than men. But we also know that men, four times more than women, actually go ahead and do it and succeed in doing so. There's a reason why. Stay tuned to next week. So number one, you're not alone. Number two, it's not the sign of weakness. And number three, it's not a character flaw. No, it has nothing to do with your character any more than having any other sickness or illness has to do with your character. If I have a headache, you don't think it's my character. If I have a flu, you don't think it's my character. If I have high blood pressure, you don't think it's my character. But if I have mental illness, all of a sudden, you change your vocabulary. That's a lie. How do you know that, Bang Akimola? I know that because many mighty figures in the scriptures struggled. 
i.e., my great apostle of grace, Paul. How about Moses? How about Jonah? How about Job? How about Naomi? Ah, and if you really dig into it, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that can of one, but I'm not going to leave it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to address it. I'm going to let you go home and be like the Berean students. How about Jesus himself? What was his character flaw? When in agonizing pain, he cried out, is it possible for this cup to pass me? And the Bible tells us he was sweating like as blood in the garden. What do you think that was? You're not alone. It's not a sign of weakness. And it's not a character flaw. Now, the, I gave, at the beginning of this message, the very first installment, I gave you the symptoms of depression. I'm not going to run through that any longer, but at least 10 of them. If you missed that, you can go on the website, workfriendusa.org. All the notes are there. But for this morning, I just want to address one, one of them, one of those symptoms that I had not up till now addressed before. And that is, if you are thinking about death or suicide, that is, that's a clear sign of anxiety, depression, or some kind of mental illness. If you are thinking of suicide. The rate of suicide among those aged 10 to 24 increased nearly 60 percent between 2007 and 2018. It's too early right now for us to know the actual figures for the pandemic, but just think about that. If between 2007 to 2018, the increase according to CDC was 60 percent, what do you think it is now? In a recent study of more than 67,000 college students from more than 100 institutions, one in five of the students have had thoughts of suicide. One in five. With nine making an attempt and nearly 20% reporting self-injury. One in four students reported being diagnosed with a mental illness. And this is according to Depression and Anxiety. It's a magazine. These young people are often taken away from home and friends for the very first time. I remember years ago when my oldest son first had to go to college. He left on a Sunday morning as I was preparing to go to church. Walik Badeba, one of the members of the church at that time, came to my house to drive him away. I would never forget that feeling. Oh, it's been years now, but as I'm talking about it, all that emotion came up to me. I remember standing in my driveway and just weeping. Weeping. I mean, weeping, weeping like somebody just beat me. What was I weeping about? Here's my little boy. Now grown. And is about to make a transition. To go away on his own. Away from home, away from his friends, for the very first time. Living with strangers far from any support systems, and working under intense pressure to maintain a grade and keep a scholarship with disrupted sleep patterns, eating and exercise patterns, 
oh, my friends, you could hardly design a more stressful situation, particularly when depression or mental health issues enter the picture. Amen. So it's not just kids or our teens or our young adults alone that face this anxiety. Even us parents. Because for days after my son went, I, I, I'm just waiting. Okay, what news am I going to get? How is he doing? Is he going to go rob a bank? Is he going to do this? All kinds of crazy things. Because you see, you, you don't know that you know them until they leave. Because while they are home, they understand the protocol. They know what they have to do to pass your, pass your mark and to get your approval. But when they leave the house and they leave that door, it's wide open. God is knocking on their hearts and so is Satan. And both of them have agents. So this compounds the pressure for these young people. Now, since I mentioned suicide, let me give you some coping uh, things on suicide. Number one, and I pray that if anyone listening right now under the sound of my voice is struggling or contemplating taking your own life, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will cause you to push that pause button Amen. and that you will heed and that you will not move forward with it in Jesus' name. Amen. And of course, we have some help for those of you that's watching online. Uh, we have phone numbers, we have guidelines, we have all kinds of help to help you if that's where you are right now. Whether you are in the UK, in Nigeria, in the United States, or anywhere else in the world, we have some help for you. So, uh, avail yourself of that. So number one, coping with societal thoughts. Number one, number one, there's always another solution. Even if you can't see it right now, believe me, there's always another solution even if you can't see it right now. I read a blog where a person who had attempted to take their own lives by suicide uh, they were interviewing this person and wanted to know what, what kind of thought process will make you want to do this. How did you get to this point? And I will never forget the response they made. They said the pain in their mind is so intense, it's like having a heart surgery without anesthesia. Think about that. He said, because for you and I, we say, ah, they want to kill themselves. And we wonder, why, how, what? But you see, because we've not been in their shoes, we've not learned to empathize with where they are. But number one thought this morning, there's always another solution, even if you can see it right now. Number two, having thoughts of hurting yourself or others does not make you a bad person. Woo! The religious folks say, well, are you serious? Do you really mean that? Yes, I do. All of us have thoughts. So yours and mine may not be suicidal thoughts, but you have thoughts nonetheless. Some of you are thinking of robbing the bank. Some of you are thinking of adultery, fornication, all kinds of thoughts. We all have thoughts. But the thoughts don't define you, the thoughts don't label you until you do it. All of us have thoughts. So the fact that a person is having suicidal thoughts does not make them a bad person, it just makes them a human being. 
That's it. So don't condemn yourself because you haven't thought. Amen? Number three, if your feelings are uncontrollable, tell yourself to wait 24 hours before you take any action. In other words, buy one more day. Defy for one more day. Amen. And number four, if you're afraid you can't control yourself, make sure you are never alone. Make sure you're never alone. Now, there are some risk, risk factors where things are concerned. Things are more likely to suffer from depression if there's a family history of depression or have experienced early childhood trauma, such as the loss of a parent or physical or emotional abuse. I'm just going to go, go through this very quickly, very, very quickly, because I don't want to dwell here, very quickly. Let me just give you a list of some of those conditions. Number one, serious illness, chronic pain, or physical disability. Number two, alcohol or drug abuse. All of these things I'm saying to you are on my notes on the website. On the website, workfriendusa.org. Amen. Number three, academic or family problems. Ah, number four, bullying. That's a big one. That's a big elephant in the room, bullying. It used to be 10, 15, 20 years ago, bullying only happened physically by making physical contact. Stand in the hallway and provoke a person by bullying them or on the way home or on the school bus. Years ago, it used to be that was the only way. Now, thank God for social media. Amen. Bullying is a big factor. Number five, trauma from violence or abuse. Number six, recent stressful experience, i.e. parental divorce or death of a loved one. Number seven, loneliness and lack of social support. And I cannot emphasize enough the need for community, the need to have people around us. And may I say, other than our parents, I'll get to that in a minute. And lastly, number eight, spending too much time on social media. Okay, I've given you the problem. So how do we solve this problem? How do we overcome teen depression? Number one, talk to an adult you trust. The operative word is the word trust. Unfortunately, some of our young people do not trust their parents. Wow, I can hear a pin drop. Some of them don't trust us. Why? They see us as tyrants. They see us as, uh, as, as people that just want to, to, to deal with them, so to speak. You know what I mean by dealing with them? When you tell your child, I'm going to deal with you. They know what it means. Some of them have been abused by us, and therefore they no longer trust us as a support system. They don't feel a safe harbor 
to come to us and say, Daddy, Mommy, you know what? This is what I'm struggling with. Because they know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, that's because you're a weak man. That's because you, you don't listen. That's because you're a child of the devil. That's because you don't do your work. That's because you don't pray. You don't fast. If they already know the answer, why should they come to us? They already know our disposition. So I'm speaking not just to teens and young people this morning, I'm speaking to us adults that we also need to have a new paradigm shift. We need to change. We are living in a new day, in a new era. We are dealing with very different set of social issues. And therefore, we need to educate ourselves and know what our children or the young people in our life are going through. There used to be a time in my day when I was growing up, yelling was all you need. When your father yells, that's the end of you, you got delivered. <laughs> you are one yelling march away from your deliverance. That's it. But that doesn't work these days. The more we yell, the more we separate them. The more we yell, the more they stay away from us because they don't consider us. I say, so when I say talk to an adult you can trust, you can trust your teacher. You may be able to trust your coach. It could be your uncle, your aunt, someone that you trust, that you know has credibility. You trust them and you have their ears and you can say, sir, ma'am, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm afraid to talk to daddy and mommy because I'm letting them take it from there. But don't hold it to yourself. Don't isolate yourself. So number one, talk to an adult you can trust. Number two, ah, I just said it, don't isolate yourself. It makes depression worse. Amen? Spend time face to face with friends who make you feel good. Volunteer at a nonprofit. Do something. Don't just sit down there and just be holed up in isolation, in self-pity. Take action. Sow a seed of goodness so that goodness can come back to you. And then cut back on social media use. All of that under, don't isolate yourself. Number three, adopt healthy habits. Number four, manage stress and anxiety. So for instance, if exams or your classes seem overwhelming, talk to a teacher or a school counselor to find ways of improving how you manage your time. If you have a health concern, you feel you can't talk to your parents about, i.e., God forbid any of us here, i.e., such as a pregnancy scare, there is nothing that can scare a parent more than their 14-year-old girl or 15, 16, young teenager coming home and said, Daddy, Mommy, I'm scared I may be pregnant. Heart attack is very nearby when you say that. <laughs> the ambulance is on the way. Because we're not only, only dealing with pregnancy scare, we're dealing with a potential heart attack. Especially those of us of what? African descent. I can hear that conversation. Eh. So I sent you to school to go and get pregnant. 
Eh, you couldn't get pregnant in the backyard here. You went all the way to school to go, eh, eh. And each eh is very serious. It, it, <laughs> oh my goodness. Pregnancy scare, drug problem, and of course, seek medical attention or a health professional. Managing stress, last point. If struggling to fit in or dealing with relationship, friendship, or family difficulties, talk with your school counselor or professional therapist. Amen? Okay, so how, that's how to deal. That's how to overcome teen depression. Now, suppose you, that's here right now, have a friend that's depressed. What is your role? What can you do? And by the way, all of us, every last one of us knows someone that is going through depression. Let me qualify that. We know them, but we may not know that they are going through it. Okay, example. Last week we had a kingdom conversa conversation when a person came up on the, on the stage and actually told us I went through it for six, seven years. Most of us that come to this church know the individual we've interacted with them for years. So as well as recognizing and knowing them, we knew them. We knew the person. We just did not know what they were going through. That's the difference. So now, you have a friend that may be going through some things. You see some signs, some signals, some, some symptoms in their life that alerts you or alarms you. What do you do? Number one, Get your friend to talk to you. Statistics tell us that 67% of teenagers that are struggling with depression tell a friend before they tell anybody else. Their friends are their safe harbors. Tell a friend. Talk to a friend. Amen? Get your friend to talk to you. Now, it's important, in case you were not here last week, when we did the kingdom conversation, if you see a friend or someone you know that's exhibiting or demonstrating signs or symptoms of depression or struggling with mental health, it is very important that when you are talking to them, you don't go to them and say, ah, you are crazy. I see you, you are like you are crazy. No. First of all, you are wrong. Because being crazy in technical medical terms is different from strong with de from de de depression. No. That's the wrong thing you want to say. Don't go to them and tell, and tell them, oh, somebody, you, are, you are off, something's wrong with you. No, don't do any of that. Because if you do that, they're going to get on the defensive, the walls will be up, you will never break through. You never break through. Rather, you empower them. Sam. Are you sure everything is fine? What's going on with you? I noticed some things, some changes. What, what, what are you dealing with? What's, what are you struggling with? Let them lead you to where they are, rather than you pointing an accusing finger at them. Amen? Get your friend to talk to you. Number two, you must understand that you don't need to have the answers. You don't need to have the answers. You're just a listening post. And then number three, encourage your friend to get help. 
Number four, stick with your friend through the hard times. Number five, this could be a game changer. Speak up if your friend is suicidal. When we start talking about taking one's life, when we start talking about being suicidal, this is not the place I'm going to keep your secret. This is a place for serious escalation. Because if you don't do that, God forbid, if they went and took their life, you will live without guilt and regret for the rest of your life. So I'll take a gamble that I might lose my friend, but I'm going to get him help. Or I'm going to get her help. Amen? Okay. I got two minutes, 15 seconds left on the clock. So I clap for myself. <laughs> There's a lot more to say, but next week I want to address the issue of suicide. You're going to be amazed at some of the things you're going to learn. As I have been amazed doing my research and preparing for this message. And so right now we're just going to take a pause. We want to pray for our young people because they're going to be going back to school. Who is doing that? Pastor IBK or Pastor Larry? Which one of you? You? Okay. You want to come up on the platform with me, sir? Amen. This good-looking pastor. Amen. Amen. <laughs>